Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, what's up? I'm Erica Cruz Guevara, the host of The Bay. Donations keep independent journalism alive and healthy. And you support outstanding journalism when you support KQED. So if you haven't yet, check out donate.kqed.org slash podcasts. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcasts with an S. From KQED. Over the last few weeks, Muslims have been observing Ramadan without all the communal in-person gatherings that usually come with it, like breaking fast together. Ramadan is also a season of giving. Mosques will usually raise money for charity and some of their own costs. But these days, it's just been really tough. If you look at the mosques that are in sort of the center of Silicon Valley, they seem to be better positioned. Whereas the people who live kind of outside is just tougher. Mosques have seen a huge drop off in donations. For bigger, wealthier mosques, that could mean cutting back on some education programs. And for smaller mosques with less money, it could mean that their congregations have been hit even harder. I'm Devin Kadiyama. Welcome to The Bay. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? It's history, it's people, it's unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out The Bay Curious Book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on The Bay Curious Podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get The Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. Ramadan is a really community-oriented event. Aditi Bunlamudi reports for KQED's Silicon Valley desk. After they've been fasting all day, they'll break fast called iftar. And um, it's usually broken with like a date and maybe some yogurt drink and like water. And then you basically celebrate for like the rest of the night. You'll go out um, here in the States. People will go out to like KFC and get a whole bucket of chicken. There's actually a place in um, Davis called Halal Fried Chicken. And I mean, when I was working in Sacramento, uh, the owner would be like, yeah, every every Ramadan, we're like packed full of people who want to get their fried chicken. And throughout the night, you go to uh, friends' houses, families' houses, and just eat and talk. 
talk and get together, and then you uh, sleep for a few hours, and then you get up and do the whole thing all over again. Is going to the mosque one of the the traditions that that everybody kind of honors and does? In the morning, there's a prayer, and then I know that people go to the mosque for evening prayers. There's this nightly prayer called Tarawih. And the mosque also serves as a gathering place for a lot of people to, to be in. What'll happen is you'll go to the mosque to break fast for iftar, and then people will sort of scatter to like different houses. Ramadan is also a time when mosques raise money to give to charities, and they're not allowed to spend that money on their own expenses. But usually mosques will receive more money during that time anyway, because there's just more giving during this time of year. So normally what will happen is when a family goes to the mosque in the for evening prayer or to break fast, there will be a series of physical boxes at like a certain place in the mosque, and they can go there and put cash in whatever box they want to put in. And if you're already there and you're sort of like putting cash in all these different boxes and the box for the mosque uh, like fundraising is like right next to it, you're going to end up putting money in it. It's similar to like during Christmas time when it's like the season of giving. So that's sort of how mosques are able to make a lot of money. And normally even smaller mosques, I mean, we have, there are really big mosques in the Bay Area with like over 2,000 worshipers. And then we have really small ones with like maybe 200, 300 people. And even those mosques are able to do relatively well during this time because people just want to give. But nobody's going to the mosque anymore. It's, I mean, they can't. So because of that, um, mosques aren't getting donations. So what mosques are doing well, or at least adapting well, during this pandemic? The mosques that are able to adapt well are the mosques that are bigger, the ones that have more resources, the ones that are in areas where there are are a lot of tech companies, therefore a lot of their worshippers might work in tech. So for example, um, in Santa Clara, there's MCA, which is Muslim Community Association. It is a huge mosque. They like to call themselves a mega mosque. They've got like over 2,000 worshippers. You know, on Friday, uh, May 15th, They had a Facebook Live fundraiser with Imam Imran Salha. I want to thank you for giving us um, Bay Area people a little bit props. You called us cool. Alhamdulillah, I'd like to say everyone in California is cool. I have have some native uh, Southern California. I'm a Southern SoCal native. And they were able to invite different imams from across the country to sort of give an impassioned argument as to why uh, families should donate. You know, it's it's two seconds left. Game-winning shot here. We're at the end of our cultural evolution um, campaign, which uh, Brother Aman uh, said earlier in terms of was was canceled because of the COVID-19 pandemic. And so, alhamdulillah, we're using this as a as a gap measure to to raise funds for our school. And it sounds like the people who who go to that mosque, you know, know the technical side of things to be able to do some of these like Facebook lives and and anything else they might need. The the crowd for these bigger mosques tend to be younger. And because of that, they're more familiar with the Facebook live fundraiser. They're going to know how to tune into a Zoom call. It's a lot easier for those big mosques to reach the community because they're meeting each other where they already are. 
So how is MCA doing right now collecting money during this time? So the answer is twofold. MCA runs a school called the Granada Islamic School. It's a private school for Muslim students, um, similar to like a Catholic school. And during the Ramadan season, they were looking to fundraise to expand their campus. They were going to construct a whole other campus. And they were hoping to raise $100,000 to do it. Now, Ramadan is ending, it's ending this weekend, and they've only raised half of their funds. This is the month uh, where we collect most of our donations. Um, but coincidentally, lockdown has uh, kind of like complicated. It came right in between Ramadan. I talked with uh, Junaid Sheikh, who is on the board of directors for MCA. Almost every masjid that I know here has some sort of project that is going on. Uh, construction, renovation, expansion. MCA was also trying to expand, was trying to build more learning facilities, just trying to keep the lights on, build more, do more programming. They were trying to raise $1.5 million, and they've only raised like 250000 so far. That development is going to stop for sure for some time uh, because there is no money to get that development going um, for all these projects that the masjids are doing, including MCA. So there is going to be a big impact on, on the budget. So it sounds like even a big mosque with a lot of resources is still really struggling to meet their goals. Even big mosques are struggling hard right now. We cannot get people in um, to pray and also to donate. Um, and that has complicated the matters. You know, he's not worried about MCA keeping the lights on. I mean, that itself is a cost that he's worried about. But what he's more worried about are programs like the Granada Islamic School, like English learning classes. These are programs that are going to suffer because the uh, the mosques just don't have funds for that. How does what's happening at MCA compare to other mosques? MCA is suffering, but the story is much worse for smaller mosques. You know, there's there's a mosque that I uh, sort of looked into, the Islamic Center of Fremont. You know, that mosque is not small, um, but it's not big either. It's midsize. Um, and the people who go to worship there, it's a mix of um, Uber drivers, Lyft drivers, and people who work in the tech sector. Um, and they were saying that right now, number one, the mosque, it's closed. People can't go in. And because of that, they don't have a lot of donations coming through. The other thing is that when I was talking to Dr. Hatem Bazian, who is the chair of the Northern California Islamic Council, the smaller mosques serve a group of people that are more likely to be financially impacted by the COVID-19 pandemic. The smaller mosques tend to be in the inner cities. Uh, are in the outside area. Mostly, uh, you could say, uh, both maybe small business, mom and pop stores, taxi drivers, uh, uh, blue labor work workers, uh, janitorial services. The mosques that are in Santa Clara, uh, the, the people who go there are more likely to still have their jobs because they work in tech. Whereas you know, the people in Fremont, um, you know, if they're a restaurant owner, their restaurant has been closed. If they're an Uber driver or a Lyft driver, they've most likely been laid off, which means that when it comes around time to the season of giving, they have less and less to give. The tech 
part of uh, their uh, ability to uh, donate and make connection is a little bit difficult. And also the mosque itself is not situated uh, in that way. So there is definitely a, a gap uh, as you cross uh, freeway. Uh, you will have a different demographics uh, for the mosques and therefore uh, how to get them to actually uh, benefit and close that uh, gap of technology and uh, pipeline of donations for the institutions. So I talked with one of the volunteers of the Islamic Center of Fremont. Um, His name was Salim Mastan. He was this 73-year-old Indian Muslim volunteer. I have lived in Fremont since 1978. So that would mean 42 years I have lived in Fremont. He was saying that, you know, he is doing the best that he can. And number one, he's 73, so he is at risk. He really can't do as much as he wants to. But he's also seeing that it's just tough to spread the word. The mosque is a, is a you know, they're a tight-knit community, but when you can't physically see each other, it becomes difficult to fundraise. So we have lost about 75% of our regular annual donations. People are scared. You know, people are don't want to fall sick, they don't want to bring the virus into their homes or their lives. He says that he's gauging his health based on how well he can fight with his wife. Um, he says if he can still argue with his wife, then he's doing okay. But a lot of his family lives nearby, but they can't see each other. So he has brothers and sisters that live just a few miles from him, and he hasn't seen them in months. We pray to God, he will take care of everything. The people who go to the Islamic Center of Fremont are older. They might be coming to the United States, not necessarily because they want to work in tech, but they might be refugees from Afghanistan or Syria. It's not that the Muslim community doesn't have inequities anyway, but the fact that we are in the Bay Area and just geographically there are inequities, I think the Muslim community is having to look at that square in the eye um, because it's just so blatant now. So Ramadan ends at the end of this week. How does that change this conversation about how mosques are doing right now? I mean, I think now mosques are really scared because at least during Ramadan, people are donating whatever they can. I mean, even if donations are really, really slim, at least there is um, an added benefit of, oh, it's Ramadan, you'll get extra blessings if you donate a lot. But we're getting into, you know, post-Ramadan, there there might be a drop in donations, as it usually happens. And I know that there are some mosques that are sort of thinking, well, maybe if we're able to open up again, maybe people will donate the money that they would have donated all that time when they finally can come to the mosque. Maybe they'll want to give a lot of money, but they are not counting on it because they don't even know when they're going to be able to open up again. 
Right now, most Bay Area counties are in stage two of California's plan to gradually loosen shelter-in-place orders. Mosques and other in-person religious services fall into stage three, where they could, in theory, reopen with adaptations and limits on group size. But if that does happen, it's too soon to tell whether people will feel comfortable going back to houses of worship, even with extra safety precautions. Aditi Bunlamudi reports for KQED Silicon Valley Desk. The Bay is produced by Erica Cruz Guevara and our editor, Alan Montecilio. I'm Devin Kadiyama. That's it for today. Talk to you next time. Hi, I'm Sasha Koka, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse, golden state. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio, it was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support.